Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tosha Silver. Uh, she is a spiritual leader. Uh, she is the author of several books, one called Outrageous Openness and Change, my, my, Change Me Prayers. She also uh, has written a new book called It's Not Your Money, How to Live Fully from Divine Abundance. And her website we're going to find out more about is at toshasilver.com. Welcome to the Money as a Show, Tosha. Thank you so much, Jordan. I'm happy to be here. Just give us a little bit about your background. You've been doing this for a long time, but just give us a brief history of your background leading into uh, writing of this book. Well, I've been teaching... I I was laughing when you were calling me a spiritual leader. I don't know that I would reference myself that way, but I'd say I'm an author and a teacher that uh, has been very interested for probably the last 20 years in what I would call pragmatic spirituality, how to really take these ideas of letting go and surrender and peace of mind and how to actually live them so they're not just concepts and how to also apply them to very sticky topics like, say, money, as opposed to, again, just thinking, oh, that would be a nice idea to not have to worry about this topic quite in the same way. So uh, what led into the current book, It's Not Your Money, is that in the course of teaching the various kinds of classes I teach, people started requesting a book on how do you get out of all this endless anxiety, whether you have a lot or you have a little. It seemed like for many people the anxiety was the same. So I taught a course called It's Not Your Money, and it seemed to be a real game changer for the thousands of people that ended up taking it, and lots of very dramatic shifts happened for them, and eventually it became a book. Excellent. So what, we're going to go into detail about all the things you talk about in the book, but as a summary, kind of what's the single most important thing you want people to remember coming out of this whole uh, ex- experience? That regardless of your current financial situation, whether you're wishing for a lot more than you currently have or whether you're content with what you have or whether you feel frustrated all the time that you never have enough, there is a radically opening way to view all this that lets the burden of money itself, the idea of, you know, it's mine and how do I get more and how do I keep it and all of that, it, it shifts the paradigm so that people can relax into opening and receiving and allowing what is meant for them to come as opposed to only chasing and carrying the burden in that way. So you personally do not worry about money yourself anymore? I didn't, I didn't say that. I, <laughs> I know that was on your list of questions. I would say I rarely do, and certainly compared to who I was 10, 15 years ago before I learned to think this way, I rarely, rarely do. And I talk about that in, in the book, that I was somebody that was worried every moment, not just about money, but Every topic imaginable, that was the kind of family I grew up in. And this act of learning about divine source and casting the burden deeply changed that. But yeah, get me on a bad day. We're in human bodies, sure. And then you have, you have the tools 
for how to work with it. I think at heart, I'm a pragmatist. If a tool works, I'm all ready for it. So say people get into some kind of a tough money situation. Uh, uh, They lost their job or their spouse just died or uh, they went bankrupt or they got laid off. or You know, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. Um, You know, how can people deal with that uh, knowing that, as you would put it, divine source is there to help them get through it? But, you know, something traumatic has just happened. Kind of take us through what they should do. Yes. So the first thing is maybe I could take a moment and explain what divine source actually is because otherwise it just sounds like I'm using some jargon. So divine source is this idea that no person, place, or thing is your source, but that in fact there's this like grand container, say, that is, you know, the sound can sound sort of uh, abstract, but if you just flow with it for a moment, that there is this container that holds everything, and that is divine love. So if you had a particular job that you really adored and suddenly you were uh, fired, then the conventional way of thinking in this culture is, oh, what a bummer, and what's going to happen now, and da, da, da. but it's all coming from this idea that each job, person, place, or thing is the source, and instead, this opens up the entire equation and says, well, that got lifted out, in a sense, you could say, like, being in a theater piece, something exits stage left, something else can be arriving stage right, but only if you're open to receiving it and you're not actually fixating on making that individual thing your source. And then the other piece that's connected to that is being open to receive, because often what happens is that the person is so lost in being either angry because of the loss or, of course, grief-stricken or whatever happens, that it's very hard to make the shift to actually be open to why something else may be on the way to come. And then the third piece is the center point of the book, which I would call offering. And what you do then, and I do this a lot in the classes I teach, is somebody takes a very traumatic thing happening, like the kind of losses you're describing, they offer that back to the divine, literally by saying, this isn't mine. Like, I can't carry the burden of having just lost a family member or having just lost my home or whatever. So I'm now taking this massive weight and problem. I'm handing it to divine love for the highest solution to be shown in whatever way, including the right actions to be shown. So this is not a path of passivity, but it's that the entire burden of the whole inconceivable mess is now offered to something beyond the limitations of our human ego. So so you have several examples in the book of that. One example you might go through and how you handled it is you were sitting there in your car and you got rear-ended and your car pretty much got wiped out but you survived <laughs> yeah just that that's a pretty traumatic thing so tell us how you handled that uh in this situation yeah so yeah just like you said i'm in this accident and of course you know you're startled and you know for a moment you're angry at the drunk driver that hit you and drove away and all this is going on but at the same time sitting in this car it's, this starts to become a default setting. It starts to become a reflex. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, divine, love, God, whatever you want to call it, I never care what words people are personally drawn to, take over this situation. 
show me the right actions, take me over, give me some peace, and show me what to do. And what began to happen just out of that very simple prayer sitting in this car crash was one synchronistic alignment after another. You know, I got into my insurance, but I got some guy who just seemed to relish helping me, and he made everything happen very, very quickly and easily. And, you know, it was just everyone listening has probably had that experience when you're in the flow. You're just in it. You're, you're not fighting what's going on, so what wants to come can actually come and assist you. And so very quickly they came and they took the car. They got me back to my house. And the refund check to reimburse me for the loss came, I think it was within five days. And the guy who, different guy, was helping me when the check came, and he said, this never happens this fast. And he said, I think you got this check immediately because you have no resistance to the accident. You're not wasting any time being mad about it. You're not wasting any time blaming yourself or having been at the corner. You're just showing up and present and saying, now what? I'm open. And so the money came, and the money that came was actually more, far more than the car was worth. So to me, it was just one of those examples of how this can go. One of the words you mentioned is synchronicity. So maybe talk a little bit about that, of how do uh, things happen in, in a synchronistic way that seems to be outside your control? Well, you know, there's a line, I think it's in the last chapter of the book, that says, the way knows the way when you get out of the way. And I always love that because I think that's how synchronicity works. Like when the instincts are in the lead, you know, just that instinctive part of us, that gut feeling that says, you know, call this person or show up at that particular meeting or don't go to that one because it's a total waste of your time. But when you start really letting that, flow of instinct carry you around, there's an alignment that happens where, you know, there's so many examples of it. All of a sudden, you're talking to somebody that you ran into 10 years ago, and suddenly they're back in front of you, and they have a piece of the puzzle that you need, or suddenly somebody's on the phone with you out of nowhere. I mean, to be honest, I would say you're calling to get me on this show was very much like that. Because I was like, well, should we do this show? I don't know if this is, you know, if this is a spiritual show, are they really going to understand what we're doing? And every step of the way, when my manager was talking to your people, he just kept saying, these are the greatest people. You have to go on this show. (laughs) And so there was just this alignment with the energy that made it clear. Excellent. Tell people a little bit what they can find at ToshaSilver.com. Well, there's the four books that I've written, and then there's also uh, there's a community called Living Outrageous Openness. It's an online community with people from all over the world who gather together. I do weekly calls, and they help each other learn to live this way because it really takes the, I would say it's like going to a spiritual gym in a way. You learn how to build up the muscles of faith and trust and openness and receiving 
And so there's that. And then there's about 30 or 40 other classes that I've taught, courses I've taught over the years that are all in uh, recordings that people can download. Terrific. Thanks so much. We're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Tosha Silver. Her latest book is called It's Not Your Money, How to Live Fully from Divine Abundance. And you can find more about the book and all things she does at her website, toshasilver.com. We'll be back after this. I want to tell you about a new deodorant called Native that I recently began trying out. It's safe, simple, and effective, and is made with all natural ingredients. Unlike most other deodorants, it does not have aluminum, parabens, or talc. Those substances have been linked to serious uh, health issues. Instead, Native has fewer, simpler ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women, as well as an unscented formula. Some of the most popular scents are coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. They even have some limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. I tried the cucumber and mint myself, and it smelled wonderful and was very effective. I also got the lavender and rose for my girlfriend, and she really loved it. People all over the country are giving Native great reviews. It has 8,000 five-star recommendations in its latest survey. It's also been featured on major national TV and radio shows. There's no risk to try Native since they offer free returns and exchanges. If you subscribe over one, two, three, or four months and have it delivered to your home, you save up to 17%, which comes out to $2 per stick. Give Native a try and get 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MONEYANSWERS during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MONEYANSWERS during checkout for a 20% discount. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tosha Silver. Her latest book is called It's Not Your Money, How to Live Fully from Divine Abundance. And her website is toshasilver.com. Welcome back to the show, Tosha. Thank you, Jordan. Some people kind of get shut down when they hear what some would call new age or spiritual kind of language. 
there's still a lot to be gained from this. What do you tell people who are kind of not on this spiritual course? Well, you know, I tend to try to speak in language that's as free of jargon as possible. I mean, that's actually, I get turned off by some new age language, you know, when it really becomes intangible. And like I say, as a pragmatist to me, I try to keep the language as down to earth as I can. And, but I also say to people, you know, if, you're, if some part of you responds to this, even if the rest of your rational mind is going, wow, this is kind of wacky, but some deeper part of you is responding going, huh, that's interesting. Like, it's almost like the silent pull from your heart that can really bypass what the mind is saying. That's often where people find my work from because many people have, have found, I would say, all my books that some of them have no interest in conventional spirituality at all, and yet they feel this tug, like something is drawing them. Maybe they're only operating from a very small percentage of who they really are. And really what this work is all about is the deeper, truer part of your nature taking over, because that to me is what genuine spirituality is. So, you know, I just say to people, if some part of this even pings a tiny bit of curiosity, then just try it out like an experiment and see if it works. What is it? What do you have to lose? In the end, if it doesn't change anything, you can go back to anything that was making you miserable before and it'll just be waiting. So I just treat it all like a grand experiment. Is it some people would think of kind of left brain, right brain. Does that make sense? Is there a part of the consciousness that's more open to this than another part? Yeah, I mean, I think the the part of the the mind that is more intuitive and receptive. If you think about it, we live in a culture that doesn't honor that, and that in fact maybe the sea change that we're in right now, maybe it has to do with you know more of the receptive nature coming to the fore. Because look, if you think about it, many of the problems we're having. Uh, as a planet, might partly come from just go get it. I need it now. I want it. And if I can't have it, I want to grab it or fight for it. And I think there is another side of the mind that isn't only the scarcity survival side that says, let me learn how to relax and open and receive. And perhaps you could say on one level it's the feminine side, although it's present in everybody. To me, everybody has the masculine and the feminine both, but we're in a culture that disregards that opening. So left, left brain, yeah. right brain is one way to think about it, but the other way is like the seven chakras. So you're yeah. saying to have your relationship with money be in the higher chakras, yeah. the enlightenment, as opposed to the survival. Is that, is that a better way yeah. to think about it? I think that's a good way to think about it, too, although there's a part of the book that's, that's really interesting because it has to do with taking those lower centers, like the second chakra and the power center, and how I think even those centers can be offered to the divine where you say, look, I'm in a physical body. I do have worries. I do have fears. Take over these lower centers that are so grasping and nervous take these over and help me learn 
how to receive and how to trust that the right actions will be shown at the right time. So I really believe, actually, that all the chakras can be offered. Even though I'd agree with you, this tends to center it in opening to higher wisdom. Yeah. So when people think about money, mostly, as you say, they think about grasping and possessing and getting more of it and so on. What is a healthier way to think about money, if not just what you can receive from it? Well, I think of it as energy. Like, I think, you know, when somebody says, you know, some people say, oh, you know, money is the root of all evil, the Bible says, and, you know, it's, it's bad, and I think it's not. Money is just energy. The, the travail that happens with money is the clinging to it and the attachment to it. So in a way, that's exactly what the book is addressing. Like, I, I, I like to say that the purpose of the book isn't to run out and try to get more abundance. It's to learn how to be abundant, which is quite different. And that it goes back to divine source that when... And I, I could say this since the book first came out last winter. The number of letters, hundreds and hundreds of letters from people saying... I'm actually in the midst of a financial crisis right now, and yet I have a sense of the deepest calm that every action I need to take in the midst of this, including being open to receive a miracle, is already being shown, and they can feel in their bodies. It's not just an idea that sounds good. They're writing me these things, and then they write me later, a month later, and they're like, I suddenly got a refund check for thousands of dollars from an attorney who said he overcharged me, or I, you know, like I got an inheritance from somebody I didn't even know. Like these things were coming out of nowhere because the person was suddenly in the consciousness to receive and and also felt worthy to receive because that's a, a large part of the book is that the, the beliefs can change about money, but if a person doesn't feel fundamentally worthy to receive or they think that's selfish or they think that's bad in some way, then that can also block the flow. So I think it plays out differently for different people, but it's just that willingness to open the door and say, I'm ready to allow myself to be used as a source of abundance on the planet. And what I also like about that is it's not only about acquisition then. It's also about you receive and you're also giving straight back out because I think that's how that natural flow works. Yeah, you're saying that there are opportunities out there for good things to happen to you, but kind of people block them out of fear or skepticism and they're not therefore open to receive so they don't get what the universe could supply. Is that basically what you're saying? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that one of the ways that it gets blocked is also through resentment and anger. Not that there's anything wrong with those emotions. I should put that caveat out first, that like, you know, we're in human bodies and all kinds of emotions go through, and that just makes sense. We're not robots. But, you know, like an example that's in the book is that there was this woman who had, you know, a common story, terrible custody battle, terrible divorce, and she didn't get the agreement, the financial agreement that she wanted. And so she had spent, at the point that she took the course, she was enraged every single day that she wasn't getting the amount of money she thought she deserved. And no matter what she tried to do legally, she couldn't get it to change. So she's in the course, and 
you know, we did a bunch of work with clearing the chakras and the kind of, the book is filled with prayers and all these different steps that you take. She did all the steps. And then she suddenly reached me. It's like an eight-week course to really fully do the book. And at the end of about six weeks, she was, she said, oh my God, I did not get more money from the settlement, but because I released, I broke dishes, I did everything I needed to do to get through all the anger at my ex-partner, I did everything, I did all these prayers, all of a sudden, she was an engineer, this job came that paid her three times what she used to get paid, came out of nowhere. So she wasn't getting the money, this is how divine source works. Her mind had kept saying, that jerk, he's not paying me. It didn't matter in the end. Suddenly, she had suddenly three times the money from this other opportunity because divine source can use anything. That's the principle of it. And then, ironically, I found out later, after the book had even come out, that once she'd let go of all of her fury at the ex, he then showed up to pay more anyway. Despite the fact that she was making three times. Because energetically, you never know what is blocking the flow through all, you know, the not logical resentment, anger, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. One thing people complain about today is the younger generation is entitled. They have this kind of sense of entitlement. They grew up with getting everything they want. Is that a way of blocking the flow if, if you feel entitled? I think sometimes. That's a really good question. Um, You know, I I guess the way that I look at this is that if this, to me, there's, there's a prayer that underlies this way of living that basically says, use me for the highest good on the planet. Let me receive all that's meant for me, but let me also give back wherever I meant to give back. And, you know, it goes through a million other versions of that through the book, but that that central way of living, as basic as it sounds, is really what, what opens up the doors. So I think this really isn't that entitlement that just says, you know, I'm amazing, I deserve it all, because you're actually asking to be a conduit for the good. In a, in a way, you could say you're, it moves from, you know, how can I use the universe to just try to get everything because I want it all, and it moves it into how can I give myself to be this force of abundance on the planet because when I do that, every single need is going to be met. And, you know, in the beginning, even when you said to me, do I, you know, do I worry about money, that's the very first place I go. If I start to worry about something, you pick up the paper and you're like, holy God, what is going on here? Right back into that spot that says, here to serve the planet and be a force for good, every true need will always be met. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Tosha Silver. Her latest book is called It's Not Your Money. How to Live Fully from Divine Abundance. You can find out more about her, her courses, and her books at ToshaSilver.com. We'll be back after this. I want to tell you about a new deodorant called Native that I recently began trying out. It's safe, simple, and effective, and is made with all natural ingredients. Unlike most other deodorants, it does not have aluminum, parabens, or talc. Those substances have been linked to serious health issues. Instead, Native has fewer, simpler ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, 
shea butter, and tapioca starch. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women, as well as unscented formulas. Some of the most popular scents are coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. They even have some limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. I tried the cucumber and mint myself and it smelled wonderful and was very effective. I also got lavender and rose for my girlfriend and she really loved it too. People all over the country are giving Native great reviews. It's had 8,000 five-star recommendations in the latest survey. It's also been featured on many national radio and TV shows. There's no risk to trying Native since they offer free returns and exchanges. If you subscribe over one, two, three, or four months to have it delivered to your home, you save up to 17%, which comes out to $2 a stick. Give Native a try and save 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MONEYANSWERS during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MONEYANSWERS during checkout for a 20% discount. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Tosha Silver. Her new book is called It's Not Your Money, How to Live Fully from Divine Abundance. You can find out more about her at her website, toshasilver.com. Welcome back to the show, Tosha. Thank you, Jordan. Happy to be here. Now, you've studied Buddhism and also yoga and yogic philosophy in various ways. How does that inform people's views towards money? Well, I would say there's, there's a part of the book 
where I'm talking about some Sanskrit words that really are the sort of centerpiece to the book, to at least one piece of it. And, and one of those words is called a paragraha. And what it means is non-grasping. It means when you have an open hand that lets what wants to go, go, and what wants to come, come. And there's another um, Sanskrit word called Ishvara Pranidhana, which means surrender. And so it's like these ideas, and there's another one called Viragya, which is detachment. It's like you, as you do this kind of work, and especially as people were in the course for eight weeks or as they do the book for eight weeks, they find that the things that are, making them grasp and cling, start to get cleared away so that there's room for what really wants to come to come. And, I mean, if you go to a basic principle, I would say, in Buddhism, is just that suffering arises because it's a, a world of impermanence. And so, you know, we live in a culture that's constantly saying, oh, my God, if you lose this or that, you're in trouble because, that, you know, what are you going to do then? But, in fact... If you know about divine source, then you're not in that trap of impermanence because you're saying, yes, one thing leaves, it will always open for the next thing that's meant to come. You know, you start to be able to move with what wants to unfold through you as opposed to the suffering that comes from clinging on. And even, you know, there's, there's a story in the book, a couple of them, where people had enormous losses where they lost a great deal of money and they had to go through really forgiving themselves for those losses because the self-blame and the self-flagellation of that was actually keeping the next round of abundance from arriving. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of just how to get out of the way so that this natural flow that so many of these ancient teachings talk about can happen. You, although you can't ask for it too much. You, you tell a story in the book about a group that got together uh-huh. to uh, get a, want to win the lottery. And there was, the lottery was yeah. going up. And they thought they you know, bought a bunch of tickets and they were going to win. They were hoping for it so much and then they didn't win. So you can, yeah. you can kind of hope for it too much to some extent. Uh, is that well, right? I don't. I mean, really, the nature of this book is not about hoping for anything. And it's actually not even about requesting money. It's about asking to be a force for abundance on the planet, which is quite different. It, it, it's, you know, to me, I would say a lot of books out there that I've seen on, on abundance, especially New Age books, they come from a certain consciousness, which is okay about, you know, I want more, I want to get more, help me get more, I'm co-creating with the divine to get more. This is quite different. This is really saying I'm here to serve the light and as I serve, as I'm willing to be transformed so that I myself can be a force of abundance on the planet, every need will be met for the highest. And there's something so powerful in doing that because then it's a genuine casting of the burden. It's not just, oh, I have this agenda of, you know, here's my list of, you know, I want 10 houses and I want my two cars. This doesn't really work that way. This has to do with if you get everything out of the way that you don't need. And a big part of the book does that, like where people are cleaning out their homes, cleaning out clutter, cleaning out old beliefs, cleaning out 
you know, things that are just stifling and deadening them, that when those things are released and when this cosmic divine plan, this plan of love is invited to come in because there's now space for it, what it brings is actually so far beyond what people can dream up. That's what I've been finding is the letters people are writing, they're going, I would have never even known to ask for this. Yeah. So how, how would parents bringing up children can develop a healthy relationship with money using this approach? Well, that's, that's a really interesting question because in the forum that I, that I run, there's a number of people that are doing that. And, and what they're saying is that, you know, a lot of times at a, very young kids understand this in an instinctive way. Like if you say to them, you need to kind of open your hands in order to receive and not just grab or keep things away from anger and fear, there's an instinctive way that kids often get that. And so there's a prayer that's in the book. It's called the Full Abundance Change Me Prayer. It's, it's one of the centerpieces of it. And there are a bunch of people that they do this prayer with their kids every day. And the kids just gravitate to it because it's talking about your own worthiness to receive. It's talking about the ability that what needs to go can go, what needs to come can come. And so, you know, I wish I had known this stuff when I was seven. It would have made my life a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. You talk about the word currency literally describing as like current or flow uh, yes. that people deserve to be part of. So how, how do you kind of relate to that currency, different than, you know, currency that people have in their wallets? Well, I think it is related, though. Like, I do think the whole idea about money as a current is really interesting, you know? Like, that, that yes, there's, you know, this moving with the flow, but money itself is a kind of flow that when you do this sort of work of learning how to get out of the way, release the emotional blocks that we're talking about, open in surprising ways, that when this happens, you start to notice that there's times that the current needs to go down and you stop panicking when it goes down. You start going, it's okay. It's making room for what needs to come in next. You start to be able to move with it. You know, if you think about the nature of water, you can't really hoard water. <laughs> you know, you can yeah. try, but things happen. So I, I've always liked the metaphor of how money is connected to water. Yeah. Including there's when also, somebody says, you know, they're in debt, they're underwater, right? It's like there's a lot right. of water metaphors. Let, let's talk about debt a little bit, because that's one of the biggest problems Americans have. We currently have about $14 yeah. trillion in consumer debt. We've got mortgages, we've got student loans, car loans, yeah. health care loans, credit cards. It's just huge. That's such a burden on people, it makes it difficult for them to kind of be optimistic when they're, just say you graduated right. from school and you have a huge amount of student loans. How, how yeah. can you use your techniques to kind of not be weighed down by that debt? Well, you know, especially the thing with student loans, it's a, it's a topic I've thought about a lot because I think it's so intense that this is what kids end up with when they come out. And the this, this beautiful thing with offering is that it can be applied to any burden. And so I've done this with people in, you know, various courses I've taught where they've been like, okay, I've got this massive student debt 
and how on earth. And so you start from the place, the book goes through it all, you offer that debt back to the divine, you say, this can't be mine anymore, I, I'm beyond clueless, I don't know what I can do here, I'm calling in a miracle, show me the actions, show me what I'm here to learn from this, because a piece of it is so much energy gets wasted in, again, the self-blame, the self-flagellation. So instead, it's turned around to say, I'm in this situation now. Get me into the present. Show me the right actions. Show me what to do here to let this begin to move. And I'll tell you, the things that have come from people, because the burden is offered, and then when you're doing that, you're also saying, I'm open to receive from the most surprising of places because it's divine source. I'm no longer saying it has to come this way or that way. People have had jobs arrive from nowhere. People have had opportunities come. People have had one woman, what is she got out of, um, I think it was chiropractic school, and somebody arrived in her life who basically said, this is a gift, it's not a loan, we need more female doctors. I want to pay this much of your debt off. Wow. <laughs> and she would have felt, she would have felt in the past, you know, because I know this person, guilty receiving that money or how could I or oh my God. But because she knew how to receive and she knew that the person wasn't offering it with strength. Yeah. They were just saying, I really want there to be more female doctors on the planet. She said, I gratefully received that. Wow, so that's fantastic. Me, it's, it's the stuff about divine source is, is really at the bottom. You know, you're, you're saying, I don't care how it happens because this is no longer my burden. I am open to receiving and then use me for the highest. Because, of course, for her, she's like, wow, now that I don't have to carry this entire burden myself, it just deepened her commitment to becoming a great chiropractor. She's like, now I really want to help. Yeah, fantastic. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Tosha Silver. Uh, She is a a spiritual leader. I I would agree with that. (laughs) Her latest book is called It's Not (laughs) Your Money. (laughs) How to Live Fully from Divine Abundance. Her website, toshasilver.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Tosha Silver. Her latest book is called It's Not Your Money, How to Live Fully from Divine Abundance. You can find out more at her website, toshasilver.com. Welcome back to the show, Tosha. Thank you, Jordan. So it seems like there's a big part of this that is, in some traditions, called basic trust. You've got to believe that when you open yourself up, that good things are going to happen. That may be hard for some people to do. How can you kind of get to accept that basic trust? Well, you know, there's a part of the book that is about the inner child. And I actually think that the child and trusting, the inner kid and trusting are very connected because it's true. I mean, depending on somebody's background or whatever, you could say, what, I'm going to let go into what? You know, into disaster? Like, you know, and also because surrender and opening can be mistaken, as I was saying earlier, for passivity. But I find that the, the section of the book that's really about becoming the loving caretaker for the kid inside who's terrified, and especially who's terrified financially, is incredibly helpful. I mean, that was work I really did myself to get out of the kind of catastrophic thinking that was really so deep in my own childhood. And so to start, in a way, what the book takes you through is how your, your identity starts to become more based in being this adult, this kind of calm, centered adult who's now going to take care of the kid who's completely freaking out. And it's literally a shift of identity. You don't get rid of the kid. You're there. You're taking it, you're taking it in your arms. You're comforting it. But for a lot of people, and I really notice this with the responses to the book, they'll write me and they'll say, you know, I've discovered that most of my fears not the ones that are coming out of, you know, genuine things that are in the culture, but most of the really catastrophic fears were my kid and were straight out of my childhood and that the more I began to let him or her know, I am here for you, the more the kid started to calm down and I started to be able to take care of the money as opposed to the kid because I think for a lot of people it's not just that... um, you know, the title of the book is It's Not Your Money and It's the Divines, but there's another layer to this that for many people, the child is running the money. <laughs> you know, yeah. the child is the one of like, I'm depressed today. Let me go get, you know, this credit card go crazy. And that the more the child is taken care of, you start to instinctively know when to spend, when it's not a smart idea. The instincts in a healthy adult way, start to take over. Yeah. You talk in the book a lot about the law of attraction. So just kind of describe that a little bit. How could people tap into the law of attraction? Well, what I'm talking about, okay, what I say with the law of attraction, because this is not a law of attraction book, I, I would really say that the law of attraction is a piece of the story that actually gets a tremendous amount of press, which is the idea that what you think about and what you dwell on creates a vibratory energy that you draw to yourself. And so what I say in the book is there's a piece of that that's absolutely true. However, I 
don't actually personally believe that every single thing we think happens. I think the world is much more complicated than that. Otherwise, everybody in the world would, you know, have every single dream that they wanted just from thinking about it. But what I find is that that's a piece of the story, and there's a part of the book that is focused on certain prayers and positive thoughts, like, for example, that if you catch yourself saying, I'm always broke, no matter what I do, it never works out, other people have it easier, that those thoughts, the book helps you shift very rapidly into a place of saying, all true needs are always met, everything is working out for the highest for me. So those are the parts that I would say are connected to the law of attraction. But it's not a manifesting book per se, because what it's really about is the divine plan taking over and that true nature that you're mentioning taking over. And so in that sense, I find I don't waste a lot of time telling the divine what it needs to bring next to me, because what I find is the more I release my agendas and I open to this divine flow, things come that, like we were saying earlier, could never imagine. And that also people have this thing that in Sanskrit is called parabdha karma. It's their individual curriculum, their individual issues that the soul is here to learn and that everybody has a different parabdha karma. So let's say, you know, when somebody says, well, my friend and I both did the same visualization and she became a millionaire and I didn't. Why didn't that happen? What did I do wrong? I always think... Well, that, you may not need that million this life. This may not be a popular idea with your with your people, but but I really see it as when you're resting in divine source. If you need that million, or if you need a hundred million, it will come. But if you don't need that, if you need just the understanding that everything you need is going to come together in the most amazing and fluid of ways, that could be what the somebody's particular soul is learning. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And that it's I not do. really based in the exact amount in the bank account. Because, yes. boy, when I used to do individual sessions with people years ago, I'm sure you know folks too, I, I had clients, some of them were richer than God, I used to call them, who worried about money every single moment. So that was where I really learned that the amount isn't what was going to control the peace of mind it was the learning how to be in divine source. Yeah. So the path to wealth and the path to spirituality can be similar. What are some of the things that they have in common, such as ha- habits? or you know, What are some habits that will help people succeed in the way you're talking about and being open to source, both financially and spiritually? Well, I think that, see, to me, there's nothing that isn't spiritual. So, like, that idea, again, of, of money... There's nothing about money that isn't inherently spiritual because it's energy. To me, the issue is what somebody chooses to do with it, whether they're attached, whether it's bringing them suffering and hardship because they're always trying to compete or get more or whatever is happening that's causing all the anxiety. But money itself, to me, is like the rain or (laughs) anything. It's just what is. So... What I find is that, I really mean this not just for myself, but for people that are in the forum or the various things that I I run, the more they're learning how to live these principles through the prayers that we do, through open-handedness, through giving back, 
through cleaning out their spaces, cleaning out their minds, taking care of the inner child, focusing on gratitude, focusing on releasing resentments and releasing uh, vindictiveness. That There's probably 15 different tools in the book. And also releasing the my, releasing that idea of even with illnesses where you can say, you know, it's my arthritis, and then all of a sudden you learn how to say it's the arthritis, and all of a sudden you open space for the right healer to come. This, the grasping blocks things. So I find that it works with wealth as well as anything else. doesn't mean that everybody's going to make the same amount of money from it, but people go into a state of acceptance and peace when they sincerely do this work, that many people have just said to me, I'm astonished. I've never felt peace about this topic in my life. I grew up with my parents fighting at the dinner table about money from the time I was an infant. Yeah. We have about two minutes to go. Why don't you kind of sum up the difference it would make in people's lives if they follow your teachings as opposed to the way they normally live their life in (laughs) grasping? (laughs) Well, I would say, look, I'm sure you have some people listening to this show that are perfectly happy. Like, they're, they're like, this is all, my life is great, and I've got everything I need, and then I would just say, that's great. That's terrific. But I would say, if you're one of those people, you know, you wake up at 2 and 3 in the morning, and the mind is racing, how the hell am I going to sort out this and that? And the mind is involved in, on a rational, literal level trying to figure things out no matter how it goes round and round. It can't see a way out with some of the financial problems and other problems. Pick up the book because you have nothing to lose except experimenting with a completely wild way to live that's actually extremely practical. Very and then good. write me a letter and tell me what happens. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I love the letters, seriously. So it's, you've made a major impact on a lot of people. It's really great. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Tosha Silver. Her newest book is called It's Not Your Money, How to Live Fully from Divine Abundance. You can find out more about her and write her an email at toshasilver.com. Thanks for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Tosha. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.